sowing graciously. Remember, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, but not reductively, reluctantly, or under comp- compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only su- supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have pro- provided yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confessions of the gospel of Christ and, you, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So the right side must have heard that we're talking about financial stewardship today. So everyone on the right side somehow heard in the streets the rumors. <laughs> but what we're going to do today, guys is we are going to continue to talk about, we had a full week, this is the last week of our sermon series of visions and values, becoming the church that God wants us to be. We talked about the gospel being of first importance, that that has to be central to everything we are. Second, about treating each other like family, that you're my sister and you're my brother and you're my father and you're my mother and we have sons and daughters and that Jesus defines family as those who do the will of God. These are my family members, and Jesus' blood flows through our our veins. We talked about God is on the mission of restoration, and he calls us to be on that mission with him, to be vehicles of restoration, that we introduce people to the great physician, say, we are not the rescuers, we are not the saviors, but we know the Savior, and he's full of grace, and he's a father of love, and he sent his son to bring us close to him, to bridge the gap that no one else could bridge. We say, we want to be ministers of reconciliation and see restoration in our families, in our town in our jobs, in our communities. We want to see Jesus do that. And finally, we've got to talk about stewardship. What does it mean to be good financial stewards? Any house you build, we all know that you've got to manage your money well to take care of that home. And so what we're talking about is how do we, with these four corners, with the gospel being the cornerstone, how do we keep these things at the uh, forefront of importance so we can Just participate with God and his grace in the house and family he's building here, this local church, to be on his mission. How can we do that well by God's grace and by his mercy? And so today we'll talk about financial stewardship and how we can do that cheerfully. You know, when you think about cheerfulness, I I honestly don't think about giving money away as cheerful. 
Like the Bible says, be a cheerful giver. You know, know what I cheer about? When the Celtics come back and they go up 3-0 on the Sixers. I'm in my house like, you know what we're doing. I'm pointing at the kids. I'm cheering. I'm yelling. Those are things I cheer about, right? You usually don't see people cheering at the cash register, right? When's the last time you went to the popcorn stand in the movies and saw someone? I'm glad the popcorn tossed $16. That was fantastic. It just doesn't happen. You go down the grocery aisle, right? We're like George from Father of the Bride. Why are they charging me for 10 hot dog bugs and only selling 8 hot dogs, right? We're getting ready to throw in prison. We don't cheerfully give our money. That, that doesn't happen naturally. So <laughs> what are we talking about today? It's something that's very countercultural. It, it is very, it's not natural. It's not natural to give away things cheerfully. We can only be generous givers by the power of the Spirit of God and a commitment to a different kind of kingdom, a a, a different way of looking at our money and and different treasures in our life, Um, the mission of God and the glory of God. So we're going to get to the heart of what that really looks like. And Guys, I know this is a, a personal and private matter, money for a lot of people. So I want, I've grown in that. Um, to be honest, it's an area I've actually, of all the things I preach on, I have to probably repent in this area the most because I get frustrated with people the most. So I apologize if I've ever had bad tones in the past talking about money because I don't, for me, I never saw it as a personal and private matter. It was just not that to me. Um, so I've needed the gospel to really get me to a place where I could be more fatherly and shepherdly and realize money is a very personal and private matter to people, and money is something that um, it's a struggle for a lot of us, right? And I'm talking to myself too. Money is a struggle. You know, when you go to marriages, the number one reason people argue is over money. That means it's a very important thing, and so... I want you to hear today that I'm empathetic to all of our struggles wherever we are with the way we view money. But my goal is, can we jump in this together and see how we can show off the glory of God with our resources and stewardships wherever you are? Be good stewards um, for the glory of God. Does that make sense, guys? So I, you know, thanks for the, that, Papa. Um, and so... I went down to Georgia recently, and it was for um, the North American Mission Board. They're a network that helps us out tremendously. They just have resourced us well. And um, I'm getting older now. I was angry through most of my 20s about how money was handled, period, in churches. So most of mine was every guy who's preaching, he's preaching for money. Everything that's going on, it's money. So mostly everything I looked at when it came to I was so mad about at the prosperity preachers that I took it out on everybody, <laughs> right? I was so mad at those people that got caught doing things with the money or the people who took advantage of people taking money that I was mad at everyone. That was the tone of my heart. So I'm walking up to this North American Mission Board, and the place looks like a pristine hospital, and it says North American Mission Board out on the front. And so if I was there in my 20s, I would have been like Jesus in the temple. I would just start taking out windows. Like, what are you guys doing with all this money, right? I walk in, and when you go to the South, their greeting teams are 30 people deep, okay? You have more highs by the time you get to the foyer, right? And so they're saying hi to me, hi, 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 hi. You get into the theater, right? And I'm sitting in leather seats, and they show me the vision of the North American Mission Board. 
churches being planted nationally all over the place in places of poverty and, and places of abundance and places where people haven't gone. So haven't gone. So we're watching that vision and everything is excellent. Everything is repurposed and refurbished and renovated. And then they bring us out and they bring us to our tables and they got M&Ms in the middle of the tables in a jar, like one of those nice old school uh, restorative looking jars. And they got mints and the other thing. And there's a guy in the corner just pumping out nitro coffee, top of the line, Starbucks, like what you want. If I was there in my 20s, I would have taken that nitro coffee and just started sprinkling, brothers. I said, how dare you spend money on nitro coffee in the house of God? (laughs) Then we got there. They had a worship team that was from Austin Stone Worship. I don't know if any of you guys heard Austin Stone Worship. Fantastic. So they're there leading the worship. They They flew in the big boys to lead worship, and it was top of the line. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. You, there's a bag on there that says North American Mission Board. I pull it out, there's a gift certificate for $100. These people send me and Natalie more gift certificates for date night. Every time there's a date night, somehow God sovereignly I go to the mailbox, there's a $50 gift certificate just to bless us. There's a card in there that is, they want us to put the, our own address on there, and it's a card for our wife so we can write to our wives because we're away from our wives. And just tell them how much we appreciate them. And they send it for you. So the reason I share all of this with you, and I don't even have time to talk about the food. Maybe I do. Southern barbecue. Not just regular cheesecake. Cheesecake from the Cheesecake Factory. Okay? There was a banana cheesecake that blew my mind. It was the best cheesecake I ever had in my life. People just coming over the table like, we're here for you. We want to serve you. And I... I was just blown away by the generosity, by the resources, by all the financial that went into this to care for us. Now, I can look at that with what I believe was my unbiblical heart in my 20s, my anger, maybe my own problems with money I was working through. And I can say, how dare they use that money for those things? I can say, what fantastic stewards of the money that they have received from so many generous donors who wanted to bless church planners so they felt loved and their families felt cared for so that they could go out and plant churches all across the nation. And let me just tell you more about how them being fantastic stewards of money for the kingdom of God has blessed us. Do you know that our whole downstairs, when we redid our kids' space, they gave us $20,000 to do that. Just a grand twenty. These people have never met us, right? You don't even know them. But their generosity has changed our life so we can minister the gospel. They give us $1,000 a month. We've never met them. I've met some of them, not all. $1,000 a month so we can bridge the gap to self-sustainability. We've never even met them. What good stewards for the kingdom of God because they believe in the gospel and believe in places like the Northeast. If we can only plant churches, then souls can be saved and people matter more than anything and people having a chance to hear the gospel and be restored to God through the power of Jesus Christ is more valuable than anything. And now I look at those places and those networks and I say thank God for them. And like that text says, When you give generously like that, it overflows with thanksgiving to God. 
I'm sure many of you, when we just heard that, you said, thank God for people like that. Because people like that who don't even know us believe the gospel are willing to have hands and saying, God, what do you want me to do with my money? I'll take care of those who need it. And that's what furthers the kingdom of God. And I believe that, first of all, I want to say thank you to everyone who gives to Restoration Road. We are so thankful. This is not a message to feel guilty. This is a message of gratitude. And it's a message to say, how can we continue to grow in God's grace so we can be overflowing with thanksgiving to God and we can see the gospel advanced? Like, there's so much power in that. And I believe at this corner, if we could commit to this value, we're going to continue to see God do miraculous and wonderful things because it shows off the glory of God. So there's two things I just want us to focus on from the text today. How gospel stewardship, financial stewardship, is cheerful because it sows greatly and it reaps greatly so it can sow more. And that gospel stewardship is cheerful because it shows off the glory of God. So gospel stewardship is cheerful because we know if we sow greatly, we will reap greatly. And gospel stewardship is cheerful because we know we can show off the glory of God through it. I believe one of the reasons that Like, it's funny to say, be cheerful about giving your money. Why I think the Bible says we can be cheerful about giving our money is because we understand that principle when it says, and the point is, in verse 6, it says, the point of this text is that he who sows greatly will reap greatly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. There is a joy that comes when we know that if we sow generously into the kingdom of God, even to his church, that God will trust our hands with more to sow into his kingdom and provide even for our own needs. I know that's something that drives many of those who are close to us. There's like, listen, there's no better investment I can make than the one I'm making now because it's eternal and because I know God looks at us, looks at our hearts, looks at our hands and says, can I trust them financially to resource my kingdom so I can bless them even more? So there's something like that. You sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. You sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. And I've seen this principle work over and over again. I just want to give you one example of, of a family I know. They're such cheerful giver, givers. They, they don't have much with material gain or material things, but they're such cheerful givers, always giving beyond financially and always caring. And um, recently they were buying a home. And this woman called them up. She heard they were buying a home, and she called them up and said, will you have lunch with me? And the woman showed up with an envelope. Guess what was in that envelope? Like $7,000 cash to give to them to help them with their home. Now, this person had not only given financially, but this person had shoveled this woman out for years. She was alone. She was older. He, they had cared for her. They were there all the time caring for her when they had such busy plates. And would you believe that she said to them, listen, for the past few years, I've just been saving cash for you because I wanted to bless you when you bought your home. And they said, Joey, what a testimony that I should continue to be generous. Said, God used that to say our generosity is okay. 
It's okay to give. It's okay to be generous that we're not going to be begging for bread because the righteous never will be as the scriptures teach us. It's okay to be generous. And they said, the fact that she did that for us showed us that we're on the right path with being giving and generous stewards. Isn't that awesome? And I'll just throw this in because this is like the cherry on the cake. Then they got in a free raffle because at their work, he works in construction and what they do sometimes with some of the extras, like, oh, they're on a job, and sometimes people will leave appliances on the job. They have raffles for the appliances that the people don't claim. So he just threw a raffle in there, Say it's all free, let me see if I can win. Do you know that they want a stackable washer and dryer, and they needed a stackable washer and dryer? And to them, those might seem little things, but to, a, to us, we know when our Heavenly Father meets our needs, that really speaks God's grace to us like he's providing for us, doesn't it? Like, he was sitting there in his garage, like, what are the chances of me winning a stackable washer and dryer and we needed one? And he said, God, you're so faithful. And that's why that family, and we can be cheerful in our giving, because we get to see God work by his grace and provision. There's never any fear because we know God sees our hearts in our hands, and he always provides for us. Amen? So... When we steward and manage God's money generously, God gives us more to sow into his church for the glory of his name and the advancement of his kingdom. We want to aspire to have trusted hands. Hands that will sow greatly, hands that will give cheerfully, and hands that will give generously. These kinds of hands love to sow into the harvest so that many will know God. And so that's our first point, that gospel stewardship can be cheerful because we know that he who sows greatly reaps greatly. Secondly, gospel stewardship is cheerful because it shows off the glory of God. We have a wonderful task in this life. Our mission as image bearers of God is to show off the glory of our Father. Every day, every moment, every minute, with everything we have, Every day's ambition is how can I be a light in the darkness? How can I show off the glory of my heavenly father? He gave us life, skills, our minds, our strength, our time, so we could steward it to show off his glory. We measure how much someone loves something by how well they take care of it. How well they steward what has been put in their care. Good stewardship follows great love. And I'll, I'll tell you the story of a, a man. He was in Wakefield. He doesn't live here anymore. He moved to New Hampshire, but he was a gardener. He loved gardening. He'd be so fired up about the gardening season, I couldn't really understand it. How could someone be that amped about plants? I, did, I just couldn't feel it. He probably says the same thing about me with the Celtics. So I said, Joey, will you come over and see my garden? I said, yeah, I'll come over and see your garden. I wasn't ready for the garden I was about to behold. You understand me? This man opened the door. I felt like all the lights went on and it was daytime and hit this garden. Everything was so manicured, pristine, and well cared for. He was in the hostas. Do you guys know what hostas are? He had every kind of hosta. And I don't know if they call it cross-pollination, but he would mix, he would customize these hostas so he had his own brand of hostas. He had every flower and everything you could imagine. And I'm telling you, there was not a weed in his backyard. 
You know what I said to myself? I said, this man has showed off how much he loves gardening by the way he cares for it. And the reason I share that story is because the church is the garden of God. And we show off how much we love God's bride, God's church, when we care for it well. And we steward it well. Just like families. I I tell you, growing up in a home that was broken, I always get so happy when parents take good care of their kids. I love when I see them with the new kicks on that match the shirt. Because I'm like, oh man, that shows how much... They love them, that they care enough to match the Nikes with the shirt. I just love when dads are good providers and they care for their family and their family does not go without. I just love looking at that. shows off the glory of God, doesn't it? Because we know what happens when the opposite happens, when someone doesn't care for their family. It shows off darkness. But when we care for our family, It shows off so much light. It shows so much love. God is so pleased when we care for our brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters, our church family and the body of Christ. Amen? It really shows off the glory of God. And one of the beautiful things that has happened lately when we do our members meetings, we're having uh, just once a year we have members evaluations where we, you guys, whoever's a member, we, we ask you know, how are you doing? Do you have any questions? How can we care for you better? Me and Dave even asked questions. How can we grow as pastors? And there's questions like those things. Um, one of the things that's been a blessing to me and Dave personally is, and I want to thank many of you, sharing how much this church has meant to you. And you've overflowed with thanksgiving to God that this church is here. And I know this church is not here because of me and Dave. This church is here because of God's grace to us and because we all have worked together for this church to last for the past five plus years. And so it overflows with thanksgiving to God. And I hear that thanksgiving when you say, Joey, thank you so much for this church. I hear testimonies of my marriage is stronger than ever because we found a church home. My kids are happy to come to church and run around the church like maniacs. I love it. You know, I love to hear those stories. Someone just told me I got saved here. You know what that means? I, I didn't even realize that. They said, I got saved here. And I said, what are you saying you got saved? That's when I got saved. That's a wonderful thing and a privilege. And a gospel getting heart is so cheerful when you realize you can give. We can give to those things, amen? That we can be part of the mission of God for people's lives to be restored and to be changed. What a joy, what a grace. When our hearts find joy and given financially to God's family, it shows the glory of God because this is a product of a gospel-getting heart. A gospel-getting heart says, God has resourced me so I can resource his church. A gospel-getting heart says, who am I that I can sow and reap that which is eternal, the house in which souls are reconciled to God? A gospel-getting heart says, how much more can I give to care for the family that cares for God's people? This kind of heart. Shows off the glory of God. Restoration Road, let's aim to be that kind of community. That kind of community who wants to care for God's family genuinely, financially, because genuine genuine Christian care happens here. Because genuine Christian community, by God's grace, happens here. 
and because the genuine gospel is preached here to the best of our ability. Let's, let's be cheerful about that. And so in application, I just want to hit a couple things that I would call these anti-gospel things that get into our hearts and might hinder our giving. And please hear me, I'm doing some self-reflection here and sharing some stuff in my own heart that really hindered me in that time frame in my, um, for me it was in my 20s. And these two anti-gospel things that were in my heart and maybe they resonate with your heart when it comes to hindering us from being generous to the kingdom of God. And as all things, if we can, by God's grace, if our thinking can get right and biblically sound and theologically sound, then our methods of living change. Our methods of living change. And so what I'm hoping here is some of this bad on biblical thinking that it's easy to sneak into our hearts, that we see that and we say, God's grace is sufficient, Father. Maybe we even have to repent like I did. Father, forgive me for these things. Help me to walk in newness of life and walk in generosity of heart. So if this resonates with you, um, I hope it does with some of you and is helpful. So we need to learn to be cheerful givers and financial givers and generous givers even when others in the church family aren't. And we see this, and I understand this. Um, You see this with, and I've seen it through churches, when we have to count the money. Because know what's when you have to count the money? Like there's a team that counts the money now. I used to do that a solo mission it was like, actually, it was me and Dave. And what happens when you start to count money, you start to see what everyone gives. And that can do bad things to your heart. Because you start saying, why am I giving this and they're giving that? Right? Why am I carrying more of a burden and they're not carrying as much of a burden? And that can be a serious, serious hindrance But let me tell you this, it's actually an opportunity when we look at it in a gospel light. It's an opportunity to carry each other's burdens. It's an opportunity to give not because others are giving, but give because the gospel has captured our hearts. And a wonderful thing that is so important for a Christian community is we need leaders and examples who set the pace and go ahead And when you can say, I'm going to be a generous giver, even though some aren't, it starts to recreate the culture in a different way. Amen? And so the right response is not to track someone down after church, bump them near their car, and say, I saw you giving. What's up, dog? Like, that's what our flesh wants to do, right? Like, listen, do I have to bring you to Leviticus to get your giving right? No, like those are all, the anger of man never produces the righteousness of God. We can be examples of generous givers, and you'll be amazed. I've seen so many people over the years that, like all of us, struggled financially giving. I've seen people go from giving nothing to becoming some of the most generous givers in our church just by looking at people's example and just praying. So, Don't allow that hindrance of they're not giving as much as me. That's anti-gospel and that's unbiblical because the scripture actually says carry each other's burdens and take care of those who are weak and those who have more help those do not have much. 
And so that's a Christian ethic that we need to hold on to. The second one is, is funny, saying as, as the lead pastor of this church, this is a funny one. And I'll get to the point of why I'm bringing it up so you can see my sinful heart and how God needs to change me. Learn to be cheerful about contributing to the salary of your pastors. <laughs> I hated this. I hated this. It's a hard one because I didn't get it until I became a pastor and it directly affected me. So that's kind of cheating, right? That's kind of cheating. All of a sudden, when I'm younger, I'm playing in the church and say, man, I got to give up this place. <laughs> this church ain't going to last. I didn't get it until I saw it directly affect me as a pastor. I pray this story is not the same for you because I lost a lot of reward because of my sinful heart. I lost a lot of reward because of that. And the problem was, let me give you what was in my heart and why I didn't want to give to pastor's salaries. It was because I didn't think the pastoral um, vocation was a legitimate vocation. It is because I didn't have a biblical view of the pastoral office. It is because I thought I could do a better job than a pastor. It is because I didn't understand it is biblically taught that pastors should be paid. And that was what I needed to repent of. I don't know if that is even, none of you have directly said, man, I don't want you getting paid. I'm not saying that. But this is the principle with all our local churches for the body of Christ to be strengthened, that we have to actually be cheerful about having um, men who would give their lives to minister the word of God and the gospel and want to take care of our pastors and their families. It's a beautiful testimony to take care of our pastors and our family. And let me tell you the scripture that turned me around so you just don't see I turned around because it directly affected me even though it took that for it to happen to me. In 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, it says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain, and the laborer deserves his wages. So let me unpack that a little for you guys. This is the scripture. So Paul directly in Timothy is talking about pastors in their work and you see preacher and teacher double honor um, they're worthy of their wages and he uses this example that was really helpful to me with understanding the importance of taking care of pastors and not allowing that to hinder my heart when I was generous he says do not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain what had happened if you look in Deuteronomy they actually made a law because people were being cruel to animals they would take their ox and the ox would do all the work, all the labor, do all the sweat, and he would drive to tread the grain that they all would live off of. Their livelihood, their resources, their food, all depended on this ox. And this ox would tread the grain. And what would happen is the ox, while he's treading the grain because he's working so hard, he would go down to wean off some of the grain to eat while he was working. And what some cruel men did that they made a law against is they would put a muzzle on the ox. So he couldn't even eat from the grain he was treading and laboring for. And Apostle Paul said, do not have that mentality that you put a muzzle on your pastors so that they can't even eat from the grain that they're laboring for because a laborer deserves his wages. So Paul is trying to get the heart there. And I know for me, I didn't get that until I was in my 30s and I lost a lot of reward of being a generous giver. I would say Restoration Road 
we're going to have many more pastors in the future. And so I'm the spokesman for it now. And to be honest, one day, depending on how many days the Lord gives me, I won't be here. And I pray Restoration Road goes on. But I do pray that in our culture, for all our days, that we care well for our pastors and we never muzzle the ox, but we want our pastors to be cared for so well because of our stewardship. Amen? And so I hope that's helpful because that helped me. And my final thing, the question becomes, how do I decide how much should I give to the local church? So I just really, I want to just give you three questions to ask your own heart when you think about giving. Just these three questions, and we're going to end on this. Ask these three questions to shape your heart. Is my giving a regular item in my budget, meaning is it consistent and is it dependable? That's the first question. Is my giving a regular item in my budget, meaning is it consistent and dependable? The second question I would like us all to ask ourselves, am I being hindered by any anti-gospel advancing or unbiblical beliefs when it comes to giving? Like those things we just talked about, are those any hindrances in your heart? Or, Or maybe there was other things that became hindrances in our hearts. Would you freely between you and God, would you offer those to him to free up that space? Ask yourself that question. And the final question, this big cheerful question that we started off at the beginning, right? It's so anti-natural to be cheerful about giving. This final question, are we cheerful about being part of a community that wants to be defined by overflowing generosity, great stewardship, and a healthy gospel-centered family committed to restoration? Does that make your heart cheerful? So with those three questions to shape that, I pray that we continue to grow in our stewardship. And I want us to think about this. I told the story at the beginning, right, about going down to Nam, And we heard about Nam, how generous they were and how they went the extra mile and how they took care of everything and really cared about us. What if Restoration Road was that place that someone gave a testimony about in the future? That they said, I went to Restoration Road and you wouldn't believe how well they took care of me. You wouldn't believe how much that church gives to missions. You wouldn't believe how much that church gives to mercy. You wouldn't believe how much they take care of each other. You wouldn't believe how hospitable they were and how loving they were and the great stewards they were and other people was overflowing in them to thanksgiving to God. Wouldn't that be a wonderful testimony? And so Restoration Road, that concludes our sermon series Vision and values becoming the church that God wants us to be. The gospel first. Everything flowing out of that. We are family now. Brothers and sisters, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters. What a privilege. We're on the mission of God, the mission of restoration. And finally, God privileges us that we can steward this house well and care for it. Let's do it all for the glory of God. And we're going to be amazed at what God continues to do in us and through us. Amen.